You all get on. Okay. There you go. Soundboard gets a little crazy when I don't turn my mic on. But listen, we're glad that you're here. Let me pray um, for some of our family. Mike, uh, Mike, as a matter of fact, he was in the sound booth, had surgery on Friday. Um, Roman Dotson, a student that has been a part of our church for a long time. Well, he hasn't been here in a long time, but was for a long time. Just some real struggles there, and we want to pray for him. Um, <clears throat> Don Kaysinger. Uh, Stanley goes for a heart cath tomorrow, and then Larry Russ, just some things going on in his life, and that they'll get that figured out. So I want to pray for them and pray for us as we begin our service. Father, um, we do pray for our family, those that even are not on the list, that are uh, having some medical things, some issues, some things going on in their life. God, I just pray for encouragement and healing and direction and wisdom on making decisions. And Father, we just lift this list up to you, Michael and Roman and Don and uh, Stanley and Larry. God, you know all the needs and you know what's going on in their lives and the surgeries that's going to be performed that you guide the doctors and you bring complete healing to the body. For those that are just struggling in other capacities, I just pray, Father, that you give them the help that they need, Father. God, we love you, and we ask you to take your word this morning and do something in our hearts that transforms who we are. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, at New Horizon, our mission is to bring glory to God by loving Him the most, by loving each other as Christ has loved us, and by making disciples of all nations. None of us believe that we're perfect at that. Matter of fact, we believe there's days when we're not even good at it. Uh, but we believe that we become better at it as we gather together in His house, as we gather in small groups, as we, as we cheer one another on to love God more, and to love each other more, and, and to serve His kingdom for Him. Uh, our values at New Horizon is to is grace, truth, and growth. Um, we don't. Everybody's at a different place, but all of us ought to be growing, and we do that in grace and truth. Title of today's message is this. I really wanted to change it. You know, by the time I finish my message, by the time I get to Sunday, I always want to change stuff, and I'd really like to change the title, but that's okay. It's not how to love our enemies. It's not really the title I want to share this morning because Paul's laid out from us in 9 through verse 18 how to love our enemies, what that looks like. The, the title of the message really should be this. How can you love your enemy? Really, what, what enables us to be able to do that? How can we love him. So we're in Romans 12 verses 14 through 21. And what we learned last week was how to love in a way that's genuine, in a way that's real and not fake, in a way that's unhypocritical, not hypocritical, in a way that's genuine, not pretend. If we ask ourselves the question, what is genuine love? What would our answer be? We ask ourselves, what is genuine love? Well, Paul answers it here in chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to just spend some time just kind of just going through some of the things that he said. Look at what love is. Love is confronting sin with the motive of restoration. I think it's interesting that 
right in verse 9, right at the very beginning, he says, let love be genuine, and then he says, abhor what is evil. I think it's interesting that Paul starts this list off with saying confront. Abhor what is evil. Confront. You know why I believe he died? The more I think about it, I think he does that because confrontation is the last thing that any of us want or want to do. We want a love that doesn't involve confronting. We want a love that just is easy and passive. So he begins right off the bat with this. But then he goes on to talk about, uh, talk about not only do we abhor what's evil, but we hold fast to what is good. We build others up. Love is building. See, confronting is not to tear down or get back at, but confronting is, is a part of building, recognizing where it's at and let's grow up. Love is completely devoted to each other. You know, last week it was so funny. I asked each of you all to share with me uh, uh, that, that if did you all have that family member that you didn't really want to be devoted to, but you are, but none of you all raised your hand. So I just took it that all of you all are that family member. You know, <laughs> I just took you're the one <laughs> that your family works hard to be devoted to you because you're hard to love. Um, but completely devoted in brotherly affection. And then this one right here that I've been thinking a lot about, honoring others more than yourself. Golly, do we get up out of the bed in the morning with the attitude that, that the people I'm around today, I'm going to out-honor them. They're not going to love me more than I love them. I'm going to do it. I'm going to honor them in a greater way. Did we get up? Did we come in here this morning saying, I'm going to honor those that are at church today more than I honor myself? That's what he called us to in these verses in chapter 12. And then he said this. Look at this next slide. Love is, it works hard. It's hard work. It's hard work. You, you, when we just look down through this list, and it's going to get harder in this message, but when you look down through this list, there's not anything easy about this. It's not passive. Man, it's working hard. If you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to honor somebody more than they honor me, you're going to have to be intentional and plan that out. There's nothing lazy about that. It works hard. But love hopes. Love is patient. Love is praying constantly for others. Will you think about that so much? So much? We're, we're, not, we're not waiting till the wreck happens and then pray. Well, we do that. When the wreck happens, we pray. But we're praying proactively. We're praying constantly in a proactive manner. Maybe we might stop a wreck if we pray. Maybe we might prevent something down the road if we're praying. So we're praying constantly for others. Look, look the next one. Love is meeting practical needs. Now, Paul wanted us to go through all that. He took us through all that in 9 through 13. He took us through all these. At the end, though, he wanted to be sure he understood. Now, listen, love's just not about feelings and emotions. But listen, and when there's practical needs that need to be met, we need to meet them. So we meet practical needs. Love meets practical needs. And, and love, share, love shares what we have. So that was last week. 
I want to look at this week. Read with me verses 14 through 18. They're transition verses, I believe, from, from the church to our enemies. But, but read with me verses 14 through 18. Listen to what he says. He says, bless, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Mm. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never... It's interesting, he uses the word never here, and he uses the word never in, in, in verse 19. And we have a saying, don't we have this saying in our culture that says, never say never and never say always. Because you might not always do it that way, and you might, you might sometimes do what you said you'd never do. But in these verses, Paul's going to say twice, never so he says, never be wise in your own sight. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, let's think about further as we think about what love is. Love is to bless and not curse. Now, now hear me, it ain't the southern hospitality bless your heart because you're so dumb. Okay? That ain't what we're talking about. That ain't what we're talking We're talking about literally putting a blessing on them. A word that is encouraging and right. To rejoice with those who are rejoicing. You see, when we look at this, this is what love does. This is what genuine love does. Listen, rejoicing is easy to rejoice with somebody if what they just have, what they're rejoicing over, is something you also have. Or if you don't have it, you don't want it. But if you're rejoicing with somebody that has received something that you don't have, then it's not very easy to rejoice, is it? How do I rejoice? That then what you do is you battle, am I going to rejoice with them because God has blessed them and given them something that I don't have? Or am I going to be envious of what they have? I always do this, and I'm not going to ever stop doing it because I believe it brings more help and glory to God when I'm open and real about my own life than when I keep it hidden. As a person that went through a divorce 30 months ago, or started it 30 months ago, it's a person that went through a divorce shortly after that. People would call and say, will you marry so-and-so for me? Will you do the marriage? Will you do marriage counseling for this couple? I got to be honest with you. Two years ago, I was telling people no. 
I was telling people no because there was something in my heart, my life, you know, I, I could use the excuse to say, I don't really feel like I'm qualified and I don't really want to do it. But the reality was, is I was struggling to love them well because I was struggling to rejoice with them because I felt like they were having what I didn't have. And over the period of the last two years, as a matter of fact, over the past two weeks, you don't know how many times I've just sit and looked at this verse. Just thought about it, looked at it, read it. I thought, I see what you're doing, God. You're calling me to rejoice with people with stuff even what I don't have and wished I did. You're calling me to rejoice with people, to build, to help, to exercise that. You're calling, do the weddings, do the counseling, do a Monday night, strengthen the marriage. Build them, Chris. This is what it means to rejoice with people who rejoice. Don't envy, but rejoice. That ain't always easy, is it? Listen, have I, I've talked to you all about the Christian life being a process, right? Well, this verse has been a two-year process for me. I didn't just read this verse two years ago on a Wednesday night and decide, I got it. This is in a two-year process of God working. What's He been working in my heart? He's been working transformation. Transformation that says, let me show you a different way to live. Let me show you a different way to love. Let me show you a different way to view this. So as we consider this, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. To weep with those who are weeping. Someone said in our Sunday school class, and I believe it to be true, that it's probably easier for us to weep with somebody who's weeping because they're not getting something we don't have. That almost cuts me to the heart. That hurts a little bit. We're talking about loving genuinely, right? Live in harmony with one another. It means how can I cause unity, not division? What can I do to create unity? What can I do to create harmony? How can I do this in a way that, that brings Harmony and peace and unity, not division and frustration and those things. How, how can I be, my daughter's got this saying that I think is so wise. How can I be a bridge builder and not a wall builder? How can I build a bridge from this one to that one, not building a wall that separates us? Can we do that? Not prideful. <clears throat> we know that we've preached on that a thousand times, haven't we? Because that's one of my struggles. So when you have a struggle, that's what you preach on. Did you all know that? It's true, isn't it, Audrey? It's true. Love is associates with the lowly. They're not haughty in their own mind. They're not, they're not too good. They're not too bad. Now watch this. 
In our culture, if we're not careful, it, it won't necessarily... In their culture, it was very much about the poor and the slavery and that kind of thing. In India, it's very much about the untouchables. Don't associate with them. In our culture, it's not that. It might be the other political party. Or you might be in a position where you're saying, I don't even like politicians, period. See? So, so, so it's, the, it's this ideal of who do we think we're better than they are? Don't associate with the lowly. It's not wise in our own eyes. Love is not wise in our... Love, you know what love always knows? Love always knows I can learn. Love always knows that somebody else can teach me something. Love always knows that, that there is more for me to get. There's more for me to understand. Love does not repay evil for evil. We're going to de dive deep into that in just a moment. Or maybe not too deep, but we're going to get under the water a little bit. Love is honorable. And love lives peaceable among all people if it is all possible. But I don't think I want to end there with what he said. I want us to just read 1 Corinthians 13 as well. I, 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 the more I looked at genuine love in Romans 15, I thought we can't just leave off and not read 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to what he says. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men, is that up there? Can you all see that? Okay, I tried to crunch a lot of words in that screen, didn't I? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy clang or a clanging cymbal. I'm useless. I'm no good. It doesn't matter what I know. It doesn't matter what my capabilities are. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. It, it, it ain't about what I can do. It ain't about what I know. It ain't about what I can accomplish. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain what? Nothing. You see, this is love. Love is patient and kind. Can I ask you a question? Will you start asking yourselves when you say, I'm just not patient, does that mean you don't love? If, if, if love is patient and we say, I'm not patient, does it mean we don't love? Wow. Are y'all glad you came? <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. This was me. You got a couple so in love and getting married and they want me to do the ceremony. Oh, I don't want to do that ceremony. I'm envy of what you got. Huh? Just be real. God's brought me around. So that ain't the attitude. That ain't, that ain't genuine love, Chris. Look, do not envy or boast. 
It is not arrogant or rude. Wow. It, it does not insist on its own way. Holy cow, it doesn't have to have its own way. Can you believe that's what love is? It doesn't have to have its own way. Oh, boy. It is not irritable or resentful. Huh? If I am irritable, am I loving? <laughs> Boy, somebody wants to make this clear, don't they? <laughs> Somebody's going home with bruised ribs, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay, all right. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. There's that confrontation again. We're not just going to let anything go. Love bears all, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Look at love. It bears, it believes, it hopes, and it endures all things. Watch verse 8. Love never ends. Love never quits. Love never gives up. Look at that. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. Even what we do is just in part, isn't it? But when the perfect comes and the partial will pass away. Look at what he says. When I... Hello, all the adults, listen to me. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. What was he saying? When, when, when I was a child, I didn't love very well. I was pretty selfish. But when I become an adult, I ought to put away childish ways of being selfish, and I ought to love really well. I guess we could ask ourselves this morning, Chris, when you're not rejoicing well and you're showing envy, really at the end of the day, what are you doing? You're being pretty childish. It's easier. For, it's easy. It, it didn't taste as bad when I say it about myself, does it? <laughs> That didn't taste as bad. <laughs> you childish, Chris. <laughs> childish. Wow, look at what he says. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Boy, then. I, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, now, right now, there's faith. There's hope and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love. Come back to Romans 12. This is genuine love. It's unhypocritical love. This is a love defined by God, not the world. If we're going to love like this, we're going to have to be transformed because it ain't naturally who we are. Hear me, I, I don't care how much you become attracted to somebody else. It is not natural. Even when you're attracted to them deeply, it is not natural for you to love them like Paul has just described. It takes transformation of our lives to love like that. 
It takes the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word of God to cause us to love like that. A change of our hearts and minds. It won't be because they kiss good, hold hands nicely, have a lot of money. It'll be because there's a transformation takes part in our lives that causes us to love deeply. Guess what? And we think that part is hard. These last three verses are the hardest for me. Look at verse 19. I'm going to use 19 and 21 because 19 and 21 bookend verse 20. Okay? And they kind of, they say the same thing in two different ways. 19, look at what he says. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Never avenge yourselves. I've already talked about that being strong language and how we never say never and never say always. But God's saying to us to never avenge. God is saying to us, no matter what, there's never a time in our lives as believers in Christ that we should ever avenge. There's never a time when we should pay back evil for evil. There's never a time. This is the world's way of thinking. We never avenge for two reasons. Think about this with me. When we avenge, we immediately lose the battle because we have joined the evil. When we avenge, we immediately lose the battle because we have joined the evil. You see... Let me, let me continue. When we have, if we hate the one that hates us, hear me, when we hate the one that hates us, they won. We just lost. We just lost. Then the second reason is this. God has promised and cannot lie to avenge and make all wrongs right. But before we celebrate that statement too much, someone on our worship team asked this question. God said, do not avenge, I will do this. Do not make this right, I will make this right. Why is he telling us that? For one reason, you and I have no ability to make it right because we will mess that up. Okay? We will mess that up. So secondly, listen, what I want you to get and to understand is that God is just and He will not mess it up. It will be right when He does it. But we might ought to ask ourselves this question before we start wanting God to avenge others. We might ask ourselves, do I want God to avenge my wrongdoings? I want God to avenge my stuff. See, we can trust God to avenge 
And we can also trust Him to be just and right in His avenging. We, we can also trust Him to give back what was taken. I want you to think about that. Said he would repay. Not, not, only does he, not only does he avenge, but also those who have been hurt and those who have been broken, part of what God's loving character is, is to restore them to a place of health and joy and rightness. You see, Joel 2.25 says this, that God will give back the years that the locusts have eaten. See, it's both ways. It's Him making things right, but it's also Him restoring those that have been harmed and hurt. And you say, and you agree, and you're okay, and you say, okay, I can restrain from, I think I can restrain from avenging. I can do that. I can let God do that. I'll just stop. And one person asked me this week, said, why is this so hard for us? And, and I don't know why it's so hard for them, but I can tell you why it's so hard for me. At times when it's too hard for me, it's because I think too highly of myself. I don't have a sober judgment of who I am. So therefore, I want to avenge. Now, verse 20. Look at verse 20 with me. Did I? I did have it. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, doing, before so, by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. See, he not only calls us to not repay evil for evil, but he calls us to feed them when they're hungry, to give them something to drink. And in the context, what I believe he's saying is he calls us to honor them. He causes us, just as we're talking about getting up in the day and honoring each other, He's saying, how can I honor my enemy today? How can I do that? How can I honor the one that's against me? Now listen, I realize He puts this phrase in here, quote from Proverbs about burning coals on His head. So some of y'all are saying, that's good. I can unload the, the kindness and God will unload this fire. And I'll be satisfied and this will be good. Uh, that's not the point here. That's not what God's doing. God's not saying for us to genuinely love so we can rub it in their face. God's not saying for us to genuinely love so that they can receive pain. God is saying to us, He is saying genuinely love them. With goodness, because I believe this, Romans 2, 4, says it's the goodness of God that brings about repentance. See, when you and I genuinely love people, genuinely care for people, it brings them to a place that they have to make a decision about God and repentance. I think about Jesus on the cross praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I think about the centurion saying, this truly was the Son of God. I think about Stephen saying, Father, do not lay this to their charge as the stones are crushing 
him. And was it Saul that was there to see it for the first time? To see that devotion, to see genuine love, the goodness of God. Is it, what, was it Paul himself in the jail when they're praying and singing and the, and the jail burst open and the, and the guard's going to kill himself? And Paul says, just chill out, man. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Nobody's running. That he comes to Christ. See, the world's love would have been, I, I, I'm sure the guard had been really nice to him, hadn't you? So, 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 so the world's love would have said, let him kill himself and let's get out of here. But God's love said, hey, let's just chill out. Ain't none of us going anywhere. We're just having a prayer meeting. And God showed up. Don't nobody go anywhere. See, when we show kindness to our enemies, it's showing the kindness and the goodness of God. But the question is, and I'm coming to a close, and I want to bring it back to this, not how do we love our enemies, because we know how to love them. But the question is, is how can we do that? Well, we started this chapter in Romans 12 where he said, in view of God's mercy or in view of the gospel. And I've got these statements for you. I want us to think through just together. In view of the gospel, we must remind ourselves how patient God was and is with us. In view of the gospel, we must remind ourselves how merciful God was and is with us. The only way we're going to love, genuinely love those who are our enemies is if we're really understanding and swimming in the gospel on a regular basis. Look at number two. In view of the gospel, in view of God's mercy, we have a sober judgment of ourselves, understanding it's only by the grace of God have we not done worse to others than what has been done to us. And it may be the fact is, is that we have done worse to others. But what everybody else does to us is always larger than what we've done to them. You see, everybody else's sin is always greater than our own. Look at number three. This is where I got, this is where I've got to in my rejoicing time. In my, and thinking through that passage, rejoice with those who rejoice. Je in view of the gospel, Jesus is our joy. No matter what we go through, no matter how we hurt, no matter what we lose, joy in Christ is a constant that cannot be taken away. So when our joy is in Christ, not our outside circumstances, then we can love in a genuine way. That's in view of the gospel. In view of the gospel, number four, there is a judge and he can be trusted to make all things right. We can know that he cares and that he will.
Number five, we must separate the evil from the evildoer. See, if we just do stuff with the evildoer, we've, we've done something with the evildoer. We've got back the evildoer, but evil still exists. And if we've done to the evildoer what they've done to us, we've done nothing but played into the hands and been overcome by evil. separate the evil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in air. Rulers of darkness. You've got to separate the evil from the evildoer and not be overcome with it. Before we close, though, I want to understand there's boundaries that may need to be set in your life. You see, if you go back to verse 9, in your scriptures, let me read it. I don't think I put it on the screen. But if you go back to verse 9 in the scriptures, it says this. Let love be a genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Remember, we've been talking about what does it mean to abhor what is evil. It means to confront. To confront sin. There may be times in your life and there may be peoples in your life that you may have to confront and you have confronted. But there's not repentance and there's not change and there's not acknowledgement in their life of how they've hurt you or continue to hurt you. When there's not repentance and there's not change, when they've been confronted, there must be boundaries built in your life that protects you and your family from those that would continually bring harm to you. See, confronting is on the front end of this, and confronting will lead to repentance. You see, you can offer forgiveness, and, and, and I know this is a whole different message, but this is reality. Forgiveness and making amends does not require that the relationship be together again. It's not what it requires. Okay, So sometimes there's boundaries. Today, we can only love like this when we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, not conforming to the way this world loves, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds in view of the gospel, in view of His mercy that we swim in every day because we need the gospel every day, not just when we were eight years old, we need it every day of our life. And we need to say, Lord, here I am. Cause me to love like you. Here I am. Cause me to love like you. John 13, 34, Jesus said this. A new commandment I give you. Did you know that Jesus gave a new commandment? Jesus said a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Not as yourself. Not as your neighbor. But as I have loved you. So we love God. Will you transform us? And listen to me. It's going to take years. It takes years to be transformed into that kind of love. But God, I'm on the altar.
transform me with that kind of love. I want to love that way. Will the worship team come? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time you've given us to be together. Father, I pray for my own self. I pray for our family here at New Horizon that we will love more like you every day. Cause us to. Transform us to it. Change us. Because at the end of the day, love never ends. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's respond however God would lead you to respond. You need to come and pray. I'm here for you. I'd pray with you. Somebody else will pray with you. If you need to talk, you can come.
his wounds and paid my ransom. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds and
Amen. You can be seated. It's a special day. We get to baptize today, Miss uh, Sam Tony, and uh, we're grateful for her and uh, what what's going on in her heart and life. I'll just share just a little bit. It was a, a couple of. Um, uh, I don't know. She's been processing and God's been working in her heart for the past year. But it was about a month ago, thanks to the sound team and the sound booth and what's going on there. Um, she, watched, uh, she watched one of our Sunday morning services twice and then, and then come to the students' time to hang out and talk for a minute. So, and she's been to our new members class. So Sam is here today, give her life to Christ, wants to be baptized. She's nervous as she can be. So can you all just give her a applaud and say, we love you, Sam. <laughs> we love you. Okay. Um, so, so she's just super nervous, but she has done every requirement to belong to our church, and she wants to belong here. So will somebody say, make a motion for her? Uh, we've got a first and a second. Uh, it's whoever is, get the second. It was Larry Tannis or somebody or Susan. or All in favor, say amen. amen. All right, Miss Sam, if you'll come right home. You want her to hold your glasses? Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Just step in. You're going to come up and sit down. All right. You're all right. Listen, I'm going to say a few words, and then I just want you to hold your nose, and then I'll take you back, okay? In obedience to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize Sam in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Come right here and she'll get your towel for you. All right. All right, guys. It is our time to uh, take communion during this last song. You remember, we take communion every week. Um, why do we do that? Because we believe that we live in the gospel every day. And really, if I had my way about it, we would have a communion service every day. We would just meet every day and have communion and just do that. So grateful and grateful for what God's doing in our heart. But why do we do that? Because guys, while we were the enemies of God, Christ died for us. And every week we get it in our heart and our mind that, that not only has God made a provision, a way for us to have success and to win, but He also has defeated our greatest enemies. Wow. He has defeated our greatest enemies. So as we sing this last song together, let's take communion. When you're, I, I like it to be personal between you. We don't take it together because, and maybe sometimes I'd like to do that, but 
I like it to be personal when you're just saying, God, I want to do this now. Or maybe you don't want to take communion today. Maybe you feel like you need to. It needs to be between, it's a relationship between you and the Father. You take communion in this last song as you're ready. That lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name Into the night Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to
good day, isn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, I probably ought to say this before we go home. I am not looking for a wife, and I don't need any help. Okay? Alright? If God moves down that road, it would be because God does it, not because somebody here tries to make that happen. I am not in search. God is teaching me to be content in whatever situation I have found myself, okay? So this is where I'm at, and to love well. So I love you, and I thank you for your good intentions, but put them back in your pocketbooks, okay? I love you. Y'all have a good day.